Tales of Panem, a Hunger Games podcast. My name is Claire, my pronouns are she, her, and I'm glad to have you all joining me this week. Make sure to check out my social media, which is at Tales of Panem on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok for updates, episode information, and more. So this episode is going to be very exciting for a lot of reasons, um, and I'm going to kind of list them. The first reason um, that I'm sure many of us are aware of, if not all of us, is that the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes got basically an interim agreement with SAG-AFTRA. Um, which I'm not going to go into all the details of that because, you know, there's plenty of articles about it and you can learn as much about it as you want. Um, and I quite frankly don't have the time to explain all the details, but basically what it means for this podcast and for us as fans is that the actors are now allowed to promote the film. So they're allowed to do press. They're allowed to post on social media about it, all things that they were not allowed to do because of the strike. Um, And it was for that exact reason that I was not talking directly about the film um, while the strike was ongoing. And I do want to clarify, the strike is still going on. We still need to be supporting that. Um, But we are now allowed to promote the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. And as long as the actors are doing that, I feel comfortable doing that. So I am back to talking about it, which means all my episodes about it will be going on as planned, which is obviously very exciting. Also very excited that we're getting like press for the movie. Um, because it is very clear to me that these actors really, really love these characters and love this film and had a great time making it. Um, and it's going to be really exciting to see all their like interviews going forward. We've already gotten a lot of great like behind the scenes stuff. That being said, today's episode is sort of going to be a catch up. Basically, I'm going to be talking about all of the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes promotion that has happened since the strike started, which is quite a lot. I mean, there's been like a crazy amount in just the last few weeks, but I've kind of been like stockpiling it because I have a lot of things to say. So that basically takes us back to like the second trailer was already after the strike had started. So I never really talked about that up until everything that has come out. Um, Other very, very exciting thing that I would like to say, just so that we're all aware of what my headspace is for this episode. Um, because all the times that I was like, this is going to be my most unhinged episode. No, it's going to be this one. And here's why. Um, about less than two hours ago, when I'm recording this, I met Tom Blythe and Josh Andres Rivera, as in the stars of this film. Um, and like, I don't even have time to get into all the details, but Point being, I literally just met them and I feel really insane, obviously, um, because we all know how obsessed I am with them in this movie. Pictures and whatnot, I'm sure, will be on my social media at some point soon. I haven't even had time to like process anything and I have to record this episode. But that did happen and I feel insane about it and I feel crazy about it. Um, so that's, there's a lot going on this week. But let's just jump right into it because there is quite a lot to talk about. So, like I said, second trailer came out during the strike towards, more towards the beginning, um, if I remember correctly. I guess not quite towards the beginning. It was in, like, September, so it wasn't even that long ago. It just feels like a lot has happened in the past few months. But anyway, um, this trailer had a lot in it, and I'm just going to kind of hit the highlights. I also have my, like, trailer reaction video that I, like, um, it's on should be on my TikTok by the time this episode comes out that I've been like holding on to until this agreement happened. Um, first of all, and this was said in an interview somewhere, I can't remember if it's Francis or Nina. I'm my sources are all 
jumbled because there's just been so much stuff and I was just kind of like writing it out as I remembered it. But I do remember one of them saying like the first scene of the film is going to be a flashback of young Coriolanus and Tigris, which must be, they might've even specified that it was this scene. I don't think they did. I think it's just like, I pieced it together to be this. I believe it's going to be the flashback when they see Nero Price like cutting off the maid's leg to go feed to his family, which that flashback was in this trailer. Like we saw him cutting off the leg. We saw them as kids and we knew that scene had been filmed because there was like behind the scenes photos of it or like set photos. Um, So I do believe that's going to be the opening scene of the film, which I think is awesome personally. I mean, I awesome is a bad word it's like a extremely emotionally harrowing scene and just like really dark and just gonna set but here's the thing it's gonna set like a dark darker tone for the movie which I think is very important because I've said this before one of my biggest critiques of the Mockingjay film adaptation is that they lightened up a lot of stuff and cut out some of like the darker aspects of it I mean obviously you know the whole premise of the series is inherently very dark but just it could I think they could have gone a little farther in some places but I know they were trying to be like more marketable to a wider audience and so I'm not like super hung up on it but I do think that choose even choosing to keep this scene in the movie but specifically choosing to open with it is going to perfectly set the tone because I think that it's almost more important that this movie be a little darker and a little heavier because it's about Coriolanus Snow someone who is a very very terrible person and it's about like him not before he was terrible because I've said this before he kind of sucks throughout the entire book but before he becomes like literally the tyrannical ruler of Panem um and I just and it's also like I even with the book I see this and I think it's going to be even more so with the movie of sometimes people are a little too like oh my god snow literally like wasn't even that bad up until the very end which it's like no actually if you read like the things that are going on in his mind I'm like you're such a horrible toxic individual um but obviously in the movie we're not going to have any of that internal monologue and it's all going to be like what he's actually physically doing and there's a lot of moments in the book where it's like there's one in particular that always stands out to me where it's like when they're in the arena and he's like gripping on to Sejanus's shirt trying like in the the text of his like internal monologue is like as if to comfort him but actually he was gripping him so that if he tried to run he wouldn't be able to and there's a lot of moments like that where it's like the action seems nice but in reality the intention is very bad or like very selfish um and also like he's a manipulative person so like he says and does a lot of things to try to like charm people when his motivation for saying and doing those things is almost always selfish and obviously in the movie it's going to be like on the viewer to put that together and we all know what kind of person he is like no one's expecting to go to this movie even if you haven't read the book and him to be like an awesome guy like we all know who he becomes um, but I do still think it's important that they cover the like really heavy stuff, especially because it's in the direct aftermath of the war. And a lot of the book is about like war has horrible consequences. And like, even though he turns out to be a terrible person, Coriolanus still grew up during a war. And that was a very difficult and trying experience for him, especially when his family basically ended up with nothing afterwards. So there's just a lot of nuance. And I think that it is best captured if they leave in some of those like heavier elements. Things also like 
the way that Marcus dies, I hope is not really changed because that's another big one. Um, there's a lot of other stuff too. I'm thinking of making like, like a bingo card, I guess is probably the best way to do it of like little moments and things or whatever, or like dialogue in the book that we haven't seen in any of the promo that I really hope is in the movie. So that after I see it, I can see like, what was I hoping for and what did they keep or cut? Just because I think it'd be interesting. Not because I'm like, they literally have to keep every single line of dialogue from the book because I think that would be stupid. But there are just a few that I'm like, it would be very fun if they kept this. So I might do that. Um, there also in the trailer was a clip of like a dog that very clearly has rabies, which I'm assuming is also going to be in a flashback because like, I don't know. Because the, they're like, obviously people still have rabies. Like there's plot points about characters having rabies. But I think it was a big thing during the war is that like people couldn't afford to like first vaccinate their pets and then even keep them. So like rabid dogs roaming the streets, I feel like would be even more of a thing during wartime. So I'm assuming that's maybe part of that same flashback. Um, but I just think I like the rabies like plot line I guess I think is very interesting and it's something that is like clearly Suzanne Collins put a lot of thought into creating this world because it's something that you wouldn't necessarily think about especially the like people are like directing all their time money and energy to the war they don't have the money to vaccinate their house pets anymore or like we don't have the medicine to do that and so of course there's going to be a rabies outbreak among animals that is going to spread to humans like it is the most logical thing ever in that situation, but it's still just like, it's such a awesome detail and the way that it like plays in. I need to stop saying awesome about things that are really horrible. Like, but you know what I mean? I think like from a literary standpoint and the way that it ties in like later in the arena when we see like tributes with rabies and just like the effects that rabies has on a person allow for some very interesting plot points while they're in the arena. So I think it's really cool in a horrible way in which I think it's terrible that all these children are contracting rabies and dying from it. Um, because the thing with rabies, not to like talk about rabies, but the thing with rabies is that like, if you get back, if you get like bit by a rabid animal, this is why if you get like bit by a wild animal, you're supposed to get a rabies vaccine because if you get the vaccine like you're gonna be fine but if you don't get the vaccine you are going to die and it is like a horribly painful death I feel like I'm like scaring people about rabies right now but like I'm just saying that rabies does not have to be deadly but it is in this society where they clearly don't have any sort of vaccine against it or at least not that people are able to access especially the people in the districts, because we know their medicine is extremely limited. Um, also, this trailer, and now we have the full song, so I'll talk more about it later, but this was the first time we heard any of The Hanging Tree, sung by Rachel Zegler, um, which was so cool. I, like, again, you can see it in my little reaction video, but I, like, lost my mind, because I figured they would put some of it in this trailer. That was one of my, like, I bet this will be in this trailer things. But, like, actually hearing it and just... The Hanging Tree is such a beautifully written song, both in its lyrics and in its composition. Um, and like, this is not like any shade to Jennifer Lawrence, but she's not a professional singer. Like she just isn't. And so it's not her like skill set. And she did a good job with Hanging Tree in the original movies. But at like that point, it was supposed to be more of just a like, this is like sparking rebellion. And this is like a song that was passed down to my family. Um, 
but like hearing the hanging tree sung by Rachel's like who like obviously can sing like she's so unbelievably talented it hits you so differently and it's so I'm just gonna talk about it now because we're already kind of on it like the full recording first of all um my like listening history the night it came out I listened to it like 12 times in a row because I literally was like listened to it and then I was like okay I'm gonna get ready for bed and I just like turn out a loop I was it's so good and it's so haunting is the word I keep coming back to which it should be because the song is extremely dark like look at the lyrics and listen to the music it's very very dark and it's written about a very horrendous event and also like it's written about Lucy Gray's past which we know a decent amount about and it's just like everything about it was so beautiful it was so perfect and it just like I already had faith for the music in this movie once again given how talented Rachel is how talented everyone who's working on it is how Suzanne Collins clearly had like a vision for what sort of genre and time period she wanted this music to come from and like the lyrics tell such a strong story by themselves but just like Rachel's voice on all of that it's so perfect like the casting I've said it before too the casting for this movie is unreal everyone is so good and also even just from trailers like not even from like obviously I haven't the full movie isn't even out yet but like the there is such a strong link between like the character in the book and the character on screen which I think is always the hardest thing to do in book to movie adaptations because like people read the book and they have such a strong idea of who these characters are and and how they should manifest on screen um and then sometimes it's like super hard to cast that because you're trying to fit into this very specific thing um and then there's always going to be some like separation there between like this and exactly how I imagine them in the book but with this I'm like now when I reread the book I'm like I picture these actors and I picture the way that they have embodied these characters and I think it's both a testament to like the talent of the actors obviously but also like the casting department was working overtime on this one everything is so good and that's not even to get to like I mean Viola Davis is literally my favorite actress ever like ever um so obviously I think she's gonna be incredible at anything and her getting cast in this movie was the best thing that ever happened to me but like it's just so perfect and like Peter Dinklage I blow every time he speaks in like any trailer I'm like oh my god somebody saw the vision so clearly um and there's like a million other examples of that that I could talk about and I'm like really hoping and I feel like at this point I'm pretty confident in the fact that like once I see the movie I'm gonna feel even more that way because like there are some people we haven't seen a ton in the trailers you know but I feel like we've got a pretty clear idea about the direction they're going with each character from the trailers and it seems very very promising and I like really do have really high hopes for this movie which is very exciting because I don't know if I ever said it here but there was definitely times where I was like not that I like didn't have faith in the creative team because I do but especially because it's a lot of the same people that did the other movies which I loved but you know it's a big deal that we're getting a new Hunger Games movie and the book was incredible and I was like what if the movie is like not good I'm like that was my fear that was like what kept me up at night and then of course once we got the first trailer and even like once they started announcing the casting I was like okay it's looking really good and now I'm like I have so much confidence that this movie is going to be incredible 
and also is going to be an extremely faithful adaptation to the book that honors the things that the book is about. And I think that's also in part due to like Suzanne Collins being very involved in the creation of the film, which is super important because like she clearly is a genius and knows exactly what she wants her work to be about and has some really strong ideas about it. So I think just a combination of all those factors, this is looking like it's going to be an incredible film and I'm so excited. Like I haven't been, I've been like really unfocused recently because I've just been thinking about the movie. And it's also like, I've literally waited eight years since the last Hunger Games movie and even like three years since the book came out. And I feel like I cannot wait another two weeks, which is literally two weeks from today. Oh my gosh. Um, anyway, I need to keep going through this trailer. So basically how I took my notes for this episode was I just watched all the like promo stuff back and like wrote down everything that I wanted to talk about which is like so disorganized compared to how good my notes usually are. But I think this whole episode is just, this whole episode was always going to be really crazy and just me rambling now coupled with the fact that I just met two of the cast members right before this. So yeah. Anyway, um, another little tiny moment. Okay. First of all, Tom Blythe is like, he can act. He's so talented as an actor, but like more and more every time I see clips of him I am convinced that he is just the perfect Coriolanus Snow like I don't think anyone else could have played Snow at this age because it's just so like the first time I really really felt it was when they did that little promo clip that was like um like capital orientation almost it was just like a little video of like him Sejanus I think maybe Dr. Gall was in it being like welcome to the capital blah 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 like that one of those kind of things um and just like the like visceral discomfort when he started speaking as snow was like a physical sensation which i it snow is supposed to make you uncomfortable because like the whole idea of his character is that he's supposed to be so like charming but like with our background knowledge of who he becomes there's also this like discomfort and this feeling like you're constantly being manipulated by him because you kind of are. I mean, like half of the book feels like Snow trying to manipulate the reader into taking his side because it's it's not first person, but it is like narrated from his perspective. So it's always feels like he's trying to convince you that he's in the right and you know that he's not but he's very good at manipulating people so it's it's this really interesting balance in the book and it's one of the things that I think is so good about it um and like a lot of writers I don't think would have been able to pull that off in the way that Suzanne Collins did I think that she's just so talented but anyway what the specific moment in this trailer that got me was the clip of him like meeting Lucy Gray on the train platform and she's like you look like you're not supposed to be here and then she's like a rebel and his eye like twitches and it's just so good oh my god it's such a small detail but it's just one of those like he is so into the he's so in it like he is nailing this character it's so good um and yeah like watching a full movie of him acting as Coriolanus and that level of like intricacy and skill is going to be insane because I think that's the thing about Coriolanus is that like even if you like 
I personally think he's a very interesting character. Obviously, I hate him as a person, but like as a character, I think he's super compelling um, and interesting. But like, whatever you think about him, just watching an actor inhabit that role is so different than any of the other characters in the film. And that has been one of my favorite parts of the promotion. It's getting to see Tom Blythe like in that role and how he's choosing to play that role. Because we have Donald Sutherland's performance as Snow, but obviously it's a very long time later. And so he is a he's like changed a lot in between. And just like Donald Sutherland's performance is so iconic and he's also very talented. And so I love that they're kind of like definitely like you can see the through line between the two like Coriolanuses, but it's still like letting Tom Blight's Coriolanus be its own thing, which I think is great because like no one wants just like a copy of anything from the original movies or books. We want something new and unique, which is exactly what this book did and what this movie is doing. Um, we also got our first looks at like the actual physical hanging tree and like Arlo Chance's execution. Um, I just the clip where it's like murderer and then Sejanus steps forward and Coriolanus like stops it. Oh my gosh. Every time I am confronted with the reality of what happens to Sejanus Ponce at the end of this movie, I want to like refund my tickets. Like I don't, but I just, the idea of having to watch that, I I still haven't quite processed it because obviously that's not been in any of the promotion because they don't want to like give away the fact that Sejanus dies and in the manner that he does. But I know it's coming, but I haven't seen any of it yet. So I'm like, ooh. Yeah. It's like, it's going to be so sending love to everyone who is going to see the movie with me because you do not, like, they don't know what they're getting into. Truly, truly. There are no words I could say to prepare you for, like, how absolutely bonkers insane I'm going to be going the entire movie and it's like two hours and 45 minutes long like I'm gonna be crying start to finish because I'm gonna be crying just over the fact that there is a new Hunger Games movie which actually kind of segues me into the next thing I wanted to talk about which is that they did like a 2023 re-release of the Hunger Games which obviously I went to see and they showed Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes promo before it but the second the intro for the Hunger Games started playing I was crying because I was like I'm seeing the Hunger Games in the theater for the first time since I was eight and saw it for the first time um and it's literally like because I watched the first movie and then I read all the books so I was like this is what got me into this series but for Bala it's going to be like there's a new Hunger Games movie in theaters for the first time in eight years and I do not know how to cope with that especially there's like this added layer of emotion because I was a kid when the original movies were coming out and now I'm like fully an adult like when I was watching the Hunger Games I was like had this moment of realization where I was like I'm older than Josh Hutcherson was when he filmed this movie do you know the like existential crisis that I was about to have with that information and so it's just it's such an interesting experience of like now I'm gonna be an adult going to see it um and like it's mixed emotion because I miss being like a kid and being just so in love with these movies and obviously I still am but it's just very different when you're a kid, you know? But also now I'm an adult, so I feel like I can like really truly appreciate it for what it is um, in a way that when I was a kid, I didn't really have the same level of like depth and nuance and media analysis skills that I do now. But it's very nostalgic, obviously. <laughs> um, 
a few other things from that second trailer. We got to see like the actual snakes in the arena. There are so many more than I was envisioning in the book. Like, I don't know how many. I knew I, there were a lot, but like, oh my God, the amount of snakes that were in that arena that like came out of the thing. Wow. Yeah. I think I would just die immediately. Like, I wouldn't even. Like, how are you supposed to fight back against that? Um, also, there was a very, very short clip at the end of Clemencia's hand reaching into the snake tank to grab the slip of paper. Which another fun fact for Halloween, I went as Clemencia post snake bite, which we haven't actually seen yet. So I just kind of had to go off of what was in the book. And now I'm like, what if the movie comes out? And I was literally so far off on what I did and it's embarrassing. But I basically just, I basically did like when she's in the hospital, like when Snow wakes up in the hospital and she's like standing over him. So I got like a hospital gown and I like ripped open the shoulder and then I did like scales with makeup going up my shoulder and neck and then like on the side of my face and then I did like SFX makeup to make it look like my skin was peeling it was very fun it took me two hours to get ready and I was the most like obnoxious person person at the function um but it was really fun and I really enjoyed doing it and I'm very excited to see how that actually looks in the movie I'm very glad that they're not showing us any of that beforehand because I want it to be like an awesome surprise when we see how they did all the makeup and stuff for that. But still, I'm like, I need to see her. But there was a very, very small clip of her hand reaching into the tank and I like screamed out loud. Um, also, at the very end, when they did the like, it's the things we love most that destroy us line again, which according to Francis Lawrence, if I read this correctly, I think that line is going to be like in the movie, which I'm just very curious to see how they're doing that. Like, I don't know if it's gonna be like someone else says it or like a voiceover. I don't know. But that was interesting to me but the scene at the very end of the trailer like it has that line and it's Coriolanus in the cabin and then we see Lucy Gray like with her knife when she's about to go out and pick Katniss right before everything goes down every time there's any sort of clip from that scene I'm just like like imagine not oh my god I'm I'm so jealous of people who didn't read the book I mean obviously I think everyone should read the book and i I'm so glad that I've read it like six times. Um, but just imagine not knowing what's going to happen in that final scene. Like, I wish that I could experience it for the first time again, is what I'm saying. But it will be a very different experience watching it versus reading it. So in a way, I kind of get to, which is it's so exciting. Um, I'm like bouncing up and down right now. You guys don't even know. Um, anyway. I talked about the Hunger Games re-release. They did some like behind the scenes stuff. They talked a lot about how the music is such an integral part of the story, which I love because music has always been very important within the Hunger Games because it's important to Katniss's family. And it was like a big part of her relationship with her dad. Um, and also music is all can always be a very powerful tool in a revolution. Um, but in this movie or this book slash movie, it is a lot more like there is a lot of music. There's a lot of music being performed. I mean, Lucy Gray Baird is literally a singer and she's part of a traveling music group, which is also the thing about the casting is that like, the thing about Lucy Gray, because the very first time we meet her in the book, she gets up on stage at the reaping and she starts, she puts a snake down made her lips dress and then she sings a song called Nothing You Can Take From Me. And it's a very powerful song to sing, especially in that moment. And it's also a very like, strong character like no other character introduction probably in the whole series is that bold that like is she crazy or is she just really cool we don't really know yet um 
But the thing that's important about that, because that's a scene that really sticks with you, much like the reaping scene in the very first Hunger Games book, which is Katniss Everdeen's defining moment. But this is Lucy Gray Barrett's. And she is a performer through and through. And she loves doing that. And that is how she like makes an impact on the world. But the thing with that is that the second she starts singing, you have to be like immediately compelled by her voice. Like she has to just, you have to be like, captured by her singing immediately because I think it's such a huge part of her character which is why I think this is such perfect casting because Rachel Ziegler is one of those people who when she starts singing you're like oh my god her voice is beautiful and that's exactly what Lucy Gray Baird needs to be um and I know in the theater in that moment when she starts singing everyone's gonna be so in it because that's really the moment like the like exposition type stuff in the book is very good. It really does a good job of like setting up the the world and the character of Coriolanus at that age. But for me, the reaping is the moment where you're like, this is going to be insane in the best way. And I think it's probably going to be very similar in the movie where that's kind of the like moment that like pulls you in truly. If there was any doubt about whether or not you were going to be like invested in the story. So yeah, I think that her voice is just perfect for the role. Also, in that little like trailer that they played before the Hunger Games, first of all, there was a very short clip of Coriolanus like out on a boat dropping a bundle of something into the lake, which obviously is the weapons that he hides in the lakes, which was crazy. Uh, especially if you subscribe to my theory that Lucy Gray got shot and fell in the lake. I'm my fear for the movie is that like the way that they show the locations to be it's going to be completely implausible that she ended up in that lake not that i want her to be dead at the bottom of a lake but like that's just the theory that i've been into since i first read the book and i'm like what if the movie like completely makes that impossible but i i continue to believe and then another thing so they played that trailer before the hunger games right and i noticed that I mean, it's kind of hard to tell because, like, I didn't really get to, like, analyze it. And I need to go back and, like, look at it more to see if I can tell a bit better. But from what it looked like to me, it looked like Coriolanus had the snake bite on his neck in the ending. Which, insane if true. And the thing was that I was, like, gaslighting myself because I like then I had to watch the entirety of the Hunger Games and I was like maybe I'm misremembering it maybe it was always on his neck but I was pretty sure it was on his hand because he goes to pick up the scarf and the snake bites him so I like ran home afterwards and I like pulled out the book and I flipped to that part and I was like no it was on his hand so either there's just like another marking on his neck or they changed it to be on his neck which is very fascinating to me and I don't know why that specifically stood out to me so much more than anything else but I really remember like the entire time being like I need to go home and check if I'm misremembering this or if this is a change or maybe I just looked at it wrong and it was just some other scar but that's what it looked like to me also released was sort of like a behind the scenes video about how they made the music for the film which was very cool and you should go watch it if you haven't already um had a lot more of Rachel singing um it had some good clips of nothing you can take from me which uh, like I just said, that's her like big moment. That's our introduction to her is that song. And it defines her character so well. And it sounds just so good. I'm so excited to hear the full thing and literally stream it on repeat. Um, the song that I am most excited for, I mean, like the Ballad of Lucy Gray 
obviously, but I'm going to be so honest. The song that I'm most looking forward to is Pure as the Driven Snow. Um, and there was like a really, really small clip of her singing just the like Pure as the Driven Snow line. And I'm just like, I need the entire song right now. I need to listen to it. It's going to be so good. I just love that song. I just love it. Like I can't even put into words why that song always stands out to me more so than pretty much any other in the book, but it really does. And it's crazy. And so getting just like a tiny snippet of that made me lose my mind. (laughs) There's also been a whole like plethora of TV ads. I saw like a Snapchat ad earlier, Twitter, like there have just been ads across social media and across like streaming services and so I've just been kind of watching them as people post them there have also been a few clips from the movie posted I watched the one that was like the mentors watching the reaping because that was kind of in all the trailers but like as a general rule I just don't like to watch like full full scenes from the movies before they come out just I don't know I just like it all to be like I love watching the trailers but I don't know it's just sort of different to me to watch like the full scenes but I've heard good things from people talking about them One of them, I think, was, like, Lucy Gray at the Reaping, and one of them was the very start of the games, which that one I very intentionally avoided because I was, like, I want that to be, like, an insane moment in the theater um, that I've never seen before. So I can't speak too much to the content of those, but they do exist, um, and I've seen a lot of positive things about them, like I said. But a few things from, like, miscellaneous ads. Um, This is probably, like, a week ago now, maybe two weeks Literally, I woke up, first thing I saw when I woke up in the morning was that picture. I'm sure many of you have seen it. I feel like I maybe tweeted it, although I was not really able to tweet it at the time because of the, this was before they had the agreement. But I'll tweet it again. Don't, not to worry. Um, is the clip of like, it's a really short clip from like a TV ad of Coriolanus and Sejanus when they're in the arena and they're like foreheads are touching and he's like holding Sejanus's face and I'm like we all know I have a lot of thoughts about Snow Janus the thoughts being that I think that Sejanus Plinth is in love with Coriolanus Snow who does not have the same feelings for him so it's very tragic to me I mean obviously Sejanus's story is very tragic in general but like also in my interpretation of it in which he's in love with Coriolanus Snow makes it even more sad which is why I love it so that clip specifically I was like they literally did that just for me and I just god that whole scene in the arena between the two of them is like one of my favorite scenes in the book possibly even my favorite especially because and I this is one of the things that I need to put on my little like please put this in movie bingo card um is when Sejanus says, let the world see me die in protest. I'm going to start crying right now. Guys, it's been a day and this, talking about this and being so close to this movie is making me emotional. Um, So I'm going to move on from Sejanus a little bit. Although literally earlier today, like this morning, there was a clip that someone posted from an ad they saw somewhere, I can't remember where, that was like all Sejanus and it had like a few new lines of his that we haven't heard before. First of all, it had him saying choreo, which like just hearing him say that nickname. Oh my gosh. Um, there was also a clip that someone pointed out and I tend to agree that looked like it was from when he sees what happens to Marcus. Um, which obviously we've seen the one part of that scene where he's like, your monster is all of you five million times. Not that I'm complaining. 
Um, but I think it was probably from earlier in that scene. And also him being like, I'm sorry, Corio, like I dragged you into this. And Coriolanus is like, you're going to get us both killed. But he also is like, I'm not going to let anything happen to you. Just imagine watching all this promo and being like, oh my God, like they're besties or maybe boyfriends. That's so nice. And I'm like, he literally gets him killed though. You don't even understand how bad it is. So yeah, that was making me go insane on top of everything else that happened to me today. Um, also, literally yesterday, which I posted to talk about this because I was at the event. Um, they did an event in Times Square where Rachel, Tom, and Josh were there. And they announced that Olivia Rodrigo wrote like an original song for the soundtrack called Can't Catch Me Now. And they played like a little trailer that has it playing in the background. I think it's actually coming out tonight at midnight. Um, so I will be streaming and I'm very excited. It sounds really, really good. I like, it's not that I'm like not a fan of Olivia Rodrigo. I just like don't follow her music that closely. So like when it was starting to become like rumored and then announced that she was going to be doing a song for it, I was like, okay, cool. Like not really sure what to expect. Um, but then after like hearing it and seeing it played over and like reading some of the lyrics that people picked out of it, I was like, oh, this is so good. And this is so perfect. And it literally fits so well. And I also think that like, I don't know, I just think it's very fitting. But I like obviously will be listening to the full song tonight and dissecting all the lyrics and going crazy about them. So I'm sure that'll come up on the next episode. Also, at the end of said trailer, there's more clips of the scene in the forest at the very end, which here's the thing about that scene. The reason that scene is so good in the book is because you get this, like, it It reminds me a lot of the reason why I adore the lightning tree scene in the Catching Fire book, because your narrator is no longer, and Coriolanus knows always kind of an unreliable narrator in his own way, and that, like, his perspective of things is always skewed to make himself look better. Um, but he becomes more of an unreliable narrator in the sense that, like, he's not entirely aware of what is happening around him which is exactly how Katniss is in the lightning tree stuff which is it's like which makes it harder to follow but I think that's always like a fun thing when reading is when you don't really know what's going on because the character has no idea what's going on but the thing with this scene too especially like in hindsight because he gets bit by the snake and then he's like oh my god I'm hallucinating and he's like going crazy of course we learned that the snake was not venomous and he just was like having a panic attack um which makes it even, I think, even a better scene because it's not like it was all kind of in his head. I mean, obviously there's like real stuff going on that's disorienting him, but like the venom that he thought was in him was not. Um, but at the very end of the trailer, there's a clip of him like yelling Lucy Gray's name. Once again, where is Tom Blythe's Oscar? Because he is literally giving it his all in this performance. It is so good. And he's so scary as Snow, which, like, he should be, especially in this ending scene. But there's, like, a shot of, like, just the trees. And you can see, like, the birds. And it's, like, spinning. And I'm, like, I need this scene to be the most disorienting thing I have ever watched in my entire life. In terms of, like, direction and acting. And I know that, like, the, like audio aspect of it is going to help a lot because it's going to be him yelling it's going to be her singing and it's going to be the birds like picking up her singing and carrying it around and like flying all around Coriolanus and him like running through the woods and the gun going off and just like 
it's just going to be like a whole mess of things happening and it's going to be so confusing and like so hard to tell what's really happening, which is exactly how it is in the book. And it intentionally has a very ambiguous ending where you don't actually know what happened to Lucy Gray. Just the direction of that scene is going to be so good and I'm very excited. And like every clip we see of it, I'm like losing my mind. <laughs> um, they've also been doing these little like mentor videos where they talk about their districts. There was one of Clemencia, which I was very excited about because I love Clemencia, as we all know. And one thing I loved about her is because she's obviously a District 1 mentor. And she has this phrase where she says that like the thing that makes District 1 like more likely to win than the other districts is their quote capital camouflage which is an insane phrase and I'm now like obsessed with it as like a capital ideal because it's like basically what she's saying is that it's like you almost wouldn't know that they're district and not capital because district one makes like luxury items and she calls that capital camouflage and just the idea that that's like an expression that people in the capital would use to basically say that like we're better than everyone in the districts but like some of them can almost conform if you put them in our environment it's just insane i don't know that just like made my brain go crazy when i heard it in that video there was also one of festus talking about district four where he said they like all smell like fish that was crazy festus just has like the most rancid vibes which obviously again is intentional and i think it's like good acting good writing etc um Oh my god, that reminds me, speaking of Festus having rancid vibes, there was a little behind-the-scenes clip of a scene between Sejanus, Coriolanus, Festus, and Arachne. Um, and Festus, like, oh, Festus says, like, you made it to the reaping for once, and Sejanus is like, and you made it to graduation. Guess we're both surprised. Which I love that they're letting him be, like, kind of a little bitch to people, because he deserves it. Um, and I also think it's, like, a fun part of his character that he's like kind of like he will he will like snap back at people if they are mean to him um and then like Arachne asks him about something and I he says like people don't actually care about my family they just care about our money and then he's like you must know what that's like Arachne and I was like please um it's very funny he's so he's so funny I adore him um just let him have his silly little moment where he gets to insult other people before he like has to go experience every horrible thing that could happen to a human being. Um, anyway, there's definitely a ton more promo that I missed. I kind of just like went through all the videos I could find, but I've watched so many things recently and there's been like 20 million things just this week. And now with like press happening, there's going to be so much more and I cannot wait. The fact that we're getting a press tour, like I said, is still surreal to me because like obviously none of us really expected it at this point. Um, and the fact that they like whipped it together so fast, like obviously this agreement was in the works before we found out about it, but still like to put together a whole press tour that is all going to be done in the like two weeks prior to the movie um, is crazy and it's awesome and I'm very excited that this cast gets the opportunity to promote their work because I know that like like I said they all seem very very invested in this movie and their roles and it seems like everyone had a really great time making it which is like coming across in the interviews which I love my favorite thing ever is when you like can tell in interviews how passionate actors are about their roles and how much they understand their characters because it makes you want to see the movie more and it makes you appreciate their performances more and the characters um and so I think it's really awesome that everyone seems like 
super excited just like we are because that's another thing is like I'm obviously very excited so it's nice that like to be validated and how insane I'm going by the actors also being super super excited about it so yeah my schedule is now back to what it was originally going to be for the next few weeks um which is to say hang on I'm pulling up my my calendar again because I just had to I have my kind of like backup one for like if I can't cover the movie um or if I'm not going to, but now I am. So yeah, the plan is basically, there's this episode, and then two weeks from now, my next episode is literally going to be the 16th, which is like the Thursday that the movie comes out. Like, people will probably have already seen it by the time I release this episode. Um, And that one's basically just going to be all my final thoughts, anything that I haven't said about it yet, anything that I'm really hoping is in the movie, or like certain things I'm excited to see um any other like press things that happen that I want to talk about just kind of kind of be like getting everyone hyped up before we all see the movie um so if you have any like final thoughts or questions or like things you want me to discuss before the movie let me know and then the few weeks after that I'm definitely gonna do at least two maybe three we'll see how much I have to say and how it like divvies up well um and those will be my like talking about the actual movie and what I thought about it and so again like once the movie is out once you've seen it if you have things like oh I hope she talks about this or like I have questions about this I want to know other people's opinions on this you can always send them to me my email any of my social media you know the drill um because there is going to be a lot of me talking about ballad after the movie comes out so I will definitely have time to get to everything that you guys want me to talk about and also just like I want to know what everyone thinks of the movie. Like, I'm very excited for people's reactions. So if you literally want to send me, like, an email or, like, a Instagram DM with, like, an essay of what you thought of the movie, like, I will read it. Trust me, I'm very excited about everyone's reactions, especially people that have, like, read the books and are as invested as I am. Thanks for joining me this week on Tales of Panam. The next episode will be my final episode before The Ballad of Songbirds and the Snakes, so I'll be doing my final thoughts before going to see the movie. If you have any specific questions or topics you'd like me to cover, you can DM them to me on any social media or send them to my email, which is talesofpanem at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave a review or a rating of the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, it would be very appreciated. Thanks again for listening, and I'll be back in two weeks.